Hey, this is Pete Bauer from the Pete Bauer blog. Thanks for joining me. Today we have Dorothea Bauer, who is a surprise guest. <laughs> I think you've been on... Shocking, I know. Every, every, every podcast. I don't think so. No, I think so. I think that's ridiculous. Nope, I think you're wrong. I think you don't know enough people. I think you're fired. <laughs> so this is our special Thanksgiving Day episode for the um, five people that listen to this. Hopefully they're all in America. Otherwise, this Otherwise, would be slightly the... awkward. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Thanksgiving wouldn't hold it same value. So exciting news! It's also my birthday. It is. Yeah, I am tw- twenty nine again. <laughs> yeah. No wait, that's do guys do that? Well, I think you look about the same as you did when you were twenty nine. <laughs> that's so. true. When you gray at seven. <laughs> anyway, we wanted to give a quick update on things and just kind of share what we're thankful for this far into the process. First off, though, I want to talk about Mockingjay because the Suzanne Collins novel has been turned into the last novel and the trilogy has been turned into two movies, which I know my daughter is a big fan of. Mm. And it's it's so irritating that they're doing that. There's... It really, really, really bothers me. Like, I'm, I don't think I could actually give an objective review of that movie based on performance and directorial style because I'm so biased against movies that are divided into volumes. Yeah, it, well, unnecessarily so, too. I mean, you mentioned to me privately that, you know, in the Harry Potter last book, there was a logical break in the midpoint. So you can actually take that and make it two separate stories. You know, we both read Mockingjay. The first half of the book is Katniss in like PTSD mode, mm-hmm. right? That's pretty much it. Which I'm pretty sure is the first movie. Right. And so <laughs> I don't, I mean, which is, has to happen considering everything that she's been through as a character. But what a horrendous movie. I just can't imagine where they're going to stop it. Welcome to Mockingjay, the world of two hour exposition and two hour action sequence. Yes. That's pretty much what's going to happen. Right. Because the, the last half of the book is pretty awesome. And that will be the second movie. So it, oh, it's such it's, a waste. It's really painful. I love stories with great passion. I love all kinds of stories. Movies, music, poems, novels. I, I just have this great love of them. And I, I consume them constantly. And I've never had a particular preference for one type of storytelling over the other. I think every form has its value and has a beauty to it. The part that bothers me is that most stories, the the only thing that's really consistent in all of them is they have a beginning, middle, and end. That's (laughs) (laughs) That's not a lot to have to deal with. Unless, well, see, there's... This is what's interesting, is that usually this problem falls within the middle movie of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that's why The Empire Strikes Back worked so well, was because the end of that movie was a major revelation. In the screenplay structure, the midpoint is that major event that doesn't change the direction of anything, and that's exactly what that did, right? Knowing that Darth Vader was Luke's father changed nothing in the grand scheme of things, other than the relationship between the characters, but the whole path that the story was on didn't alter because of that knowledge. It just made it harder. But now they're breaking these movies up just for money. I mean, the Mockingjay book is perfectly suited for an awesome conclusion to that movie trilogy. It would have been one really heartbreaking, epic final film if they had just kept it one movie. But there's this trend going on in Hollywood where we're going to suck as much money out of the average American consumer as and possible. Damn and, storytelling. <laughs> and international consumers as possible. 
whether it's relevant to the story or not. I will say, though, that I'm actually quite impressed. I haven't seen the Twilight movies, but I did read the books and nothing happens in Breaking Dawn. So the fact that they were able to make it two movies, I don't know what they did, but they made a lot of money doing that. And just, I think that's impressive. It's kind of like a magician making money appear out of thin air. I mean, really, it's just, yeah, well, I'm very as, impressed by that. As, as I, much as I hate part one and part two in films. Well, as I said on um, Facebook, I, I said, I have as much interest in seeing Mockingjay part one as I do reading A Tale of One City. Because it's not... <laughs> A complete story. And we're not at all bitter. No. Uh-uh. No, we're not opinionated about this at all. And the reason I wanted to bring this up was because it has to do with marketing. So the first Hunger Games movie was brilliant in its execution of capturing the book and being a good movie. Separate things, but both equally powerful. And the second movie did a really good job of, I don't think as good of a job, but a really good job of capturing the second book. And, and both of the marketing campaigns prior to the release of those movies was to draw the viewer into seeing the movie. But this one, when I saw the original trailers to Mockingjay, they were as bad as potentially this movie will be in the sense that nothing happened, right? Like you mentioned that they looked at it like, well, we don't really even have to try. We're just going to let them know, oh, here's some stuff that you may see in the movie but it didn't do anything to make you want to see the movie. They weren't interesting trailers. They didn't relay a lot of information because honestly, there's not a lot of information, at least that's good for a trailer, that can be relayed when a girl is struggling from like PTSD. It was so frustrating, and this is where a lot of our frustration comes from actually, was that the marketing campaign took for granted the viewer or the audience, and that's what was so irritating to me. I actually think that the whole Hunger Games movie franchise became too successful for its own benefit when it comes to marketing. And that actually started for me with Catching Fire because they had so much success with the first Hunger Games that what they did and what they continue to do, especially with Mockingjay, is build this world. You have Capital TV where they have different fashion shows showcasing couture capital clothing. You have CoverGirls couture capital couture makeup. You have all of this stuff that is building the world of the capital. But it's not like Harry Potter world. No one wants to live in the Hunger Games world. No one wants to be a part of that. Right. It's kind of like building a world of Nazi Germany. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as beautiful as it is to look at in these fashion ads and all this other stuff, it also completely misses the point of the books, which I think is offensive to a lot of the readers. The point was to criticize this kind of behavior, was to say that what the capital is doing is wrong. And instead of doing that, they have used it as advertising and are trying to make money off of it while also breaking the story into two parts. I'm really excited for this movie, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am actually excited for the movie when the other one comes out. I actually want to see them back to back because that would be good. But I really have no interest in seeing the first movie as it is. I actually saw an interview with the cast of The Hunger Games, and they're all very funny. But one of the questions they asked them was, what's it like breaking this film into two parts story-wise? And one of them answered, I think it was Josh Hutcherson actually answered, That it was really enjoyable because you got to delve a little bit deeper into the characters and explore some things that weren't in the book. And having watched many book-to-film adaptations, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The movie is not supposed to be longer and take longer to explore (laughs) things than the book did. 
That's like Pride and Prejudice. We're going to get into her dream state, you know, like ad crap that doesn't make any sense. So I, you know. Well, look, at the end of the day, though, each of these mediums are different. They are. And so if it works, it works. And obviously, from the results of people going to see the movie, it's making a crap ton of money. I'm sure it's a good movie. I mean, I'm sure it's quality made. I'm sure it's entertaining, but it's just not a complete story. I'm sure it's enjoyable. Let's let's clarify between enjoyable and good. <laughs> We haven't seen it, so we're obviously we're speaking with no real hard evidence whatsoever. Yeah. But a lot of the <laughs> reviews that I've read online tap into exactly what we feared. And, and here's one from Wesley Morris from Grantland. And he said, Mockingjay has more exposition than a TED Talk, more rubble than a decade of the Flintstones, and absolutely no non-monetary reason to be part one of anything. It isn't storytelling. It's a filibuster. And that's what we were afraid of is that they're going to take this into two just for money, not for storytelling. And a lot of the critics seem to agree, but fans still like it. I mean, this is kind of a pet peeve of ours when it comes to storytelling, this whole breaking up of it. So if you can't tell by our griping, it does <laughs> it, it does bother us for personal reasons because we are storytellers. But the reason that we wanted to talk about it today was to take away a few lessons. And in relation to marketing, those lessons are don't take your audience for granted. Respect the reasons why they enjoy the story, why they're coming to the story, and respect the story as well. And to your other point that you made previously, the greed of this event, this movie event, has taken negative aspects of the story and made them positive aspects of marketing. Whenever the makeup lines are getting involved because the evil capital people are so overly done in makeup and hairstyles and whatever. I understand the need to do world building online marketing. And I understand that's really cool. Like you said with Harry Potter, that they do a great job when you'd go online, you're entering the Harry Potter world. But as you said, people want to go into Harry Potter world and you want to, as a storyteller, that's a good thing to promote and raise that up as a, a destination, an online virtual destination. But to take some negative aspects, like I said, it's in this story, it's equivalent to the Roman Empire or Nazi Germany, where they're killing people for entertainment, and then taking the, oh, let's bring back the swastika. No, look, we have this uh, clothing line that's going to, you know, make military uniforms that look like Nazis. And, oh, you can get your own Hitler mustaches for Halloween. I mean, none of that would work, obviously, because it's real history, but it's in the equivalent that it should be offensive and not exploited. And that's where the, the marketing errors Beyond the fact that they've taken for granted their audience, they are also misrepresenting the world that the author and the movie should represent in, in a positive way when it should be negative. Actually, and the revolutionary aspects of Mockingjay are really prevalent like in the world right now. I don't know if you're reading about Thailand, people who are rising up against the government are using the three finger salute. And Interesting how culture has seeped into the and, real world like that. And like I saw signs from the protests in the United States, people saying the odds are never in our favor, like all the stuff like rising against this institution. But yeah, in Thailand, a lot of and they can be arrested for doing this. And really, it goes to the effectiveness of the storytelling, right? It, it is a universal story of the oppressed fighting against the oppressors. And so it makes sense that that would find its way into normal life. So we're looking forward to Mockingjay Part 2 coming out so we can see Part 1 and Part 2 together because it should be pretty awesome when you put those two together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So another milestone that we reached is I finished all the writing that I'm going to do before for the first novel, Neil and Prey. 
until it goes to the editor. So that's exciting. The editor I'm trying to contract with, she recently had some medical issues, so I'm waiting for her to be re recovered and see if I can get in her schedule. So I don't have an exact release date for that, but as soon as I do, I'll let you guys know. But I'm really excited about that. I mean, writing is such a never-ending process that it's hard to feel that you complete anything, you know? because I'm already working on the second book and the third book and the fourth book. So, but it's nice to take a step back and go, oh, I can actually say, well, I'm done until I actually give this to somebody else and let them tell me what's wrong with it, which hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that won't be a long conversation. <laughs> no, it'll just be a long email. Come <laughs> Thanks. on, dad. Thanks. This Thanks. is 2014. <laughs> oh, she's not going to call me on the telly. Is that what you're saying? Goodness. I know. <laughs> So it is Thanksgiving week, and we wanted to say some of the things we are thankful for. I'll start. The first thing I am thankful for is my daughter. So Aww. I know. Because <laughs> you have been with me doing this, working on this Gabby Wells storyline since you were... 15, I think. Yeah. So six years. And uh, in all of its different variations and so forth, and you were incredibly patient with me during the whole the whole writing process as I learned how to write novels. And so without you, I wouldn't be here at all. And without you, none of this would have happened. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Without you, I definitely wouldn't be here at all. <laughs> that's, so. that's true. So you owe me, actually. <laughs> yes. All right, then I take it back. Never mind. Well, that's good. I wouldn't want there to be any confusion. No, that's true. That's true. Okay, so I get another one. No, all right, go ahead. Your turn. I am very thankful for, and I'm just going to ball this all up into one, my family. I have a very, very large family, and I'm very blessed. I have pretty awesome parents. I mean, they're okay. And From what I've heard. <laughs> and I have a really great brother, and I'm just, I'm very blessed to have the family that I do. My second thanks is obviously to my wife, who is probably one of the most supportive people I've ever met in my life. There have been plenty of times in our marriage where... I've had to have a creative outlet, and if it's important to me, it's important to her, even if she doesn't understand it. And I don't understand that mentality, but I appreciate it, and she's pretty amazing. So she's uh, pretty awesome. And my son actually has been supportive in his own way. He's not as much of a reader as the rest of us, but um, he's also very excited about it. He talks up this novel series to people at school and his friends and his teachers and so forth. So he's really excited about it, too, and he's, he's been pretty awesome. And it's going to be really effective because since he goes to an all-boys Catholic high school... Yeah, they're definitely going to want to read about the, it. The young adult series meant for teen girls is yeah. really going to go very well. Yeah, his efforts <laughs> will be a complete failure, but I do appreciate it. I'm also very grateful for my country. I'm very grateful to have grown up and lived in this country because for my whole childhood, I got to enjoy and experience a freedom that many people all across the world never get to experience in their whole lives. And for that, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for the freedoms that I've enjoyed. I'm very grateful for the independence. And so I'm very grateful for the freedoms that I've been granted. And I actually remember a few years ago, you were interviewed for <laughs> a commercial. <laughs> for Fox Television. For Fox Television. Yeah. And we were just in New York and, and a, a reporter approached us and was like, hey, I want to interview you guys. And at the end, you looked into the camera and you oh, said, Here we go. <laughs> freedom, it's not free, it's not cheap, but it's worth it. And I'm pretty sure that ended every single commercial they had for that entire campaign. Yeah, that was the Real, Americans, uh, Real American story, right? Wasn't that what it I was called? I think so. 
And yeah, we were just on vacation in New York and we went down to see the Statue of Liberty and they were there and they asked us. And it was just funny because Brad, the producer, later thanked me in, in, in a letter saying that um, I single-handedly got him a promotion because my, my <laughs> soundbite was exactly, I guess, what they were looking for that day. And it was pretty cool because it that thing aired for a good year. Yeah. And um, some co-workers of mine, they, they lived over in Singapore for quite some time. And so they would get the raw Fox News feed. And so just recently, like literally within the last six months, he is, he saw that commercial with us on it. So it was five years ago. But on the satellite feeds, they don't show a lot of local commercials because it's the raw feed. So they'd show their internal commercials. And so that thing still airs all the time. And um, Freedom. well no it was a really great soundbite but that fun story aside i'm very grateful i think freedom is an opportunity to do something remarkable with your life and i'm very grateful to have that opportunity and i hope i seize it i hope i'm able to use it for good if i can find that video or link to it online i'll post it in the show notes that would be pretty (laughs) funny to watch remember we did the live interview on the local, we connected with Fox. That was and, hilarious. Oh my gosh. That yeah. was awful for me because... So after we did this thing, we went home and it was successful. And so they they started doing live interviews with some of the people that participated in this during the, like over a course of a year. So they asked all of us to come to the local Fox station here, which we were then satellite linked and we were just waiting for them to come on. And there was some news event, there was some... That we kept getting delayed and delayed. There were a lot of breaking news events that day. Yeah. And we were sitting in the station and we're like, we're really not that important, guys. (laughs) Yeah, we can go ahead and skip this (laughs) if you don't want. And oh, gosh, that whole experience was so interesting because, well, for me, it was it was awful because I was in high school at the time, but I had been homeschooled in middle school. And you guys specifically told me (laughs) right before. Talking about setting you up to fail. Right before they said, look, homeschooling was a great experience and, you know, it's awesome. So you don't want to say anything bad about homeschooling because homeschooling already has a bad reputation and you loved it, which is true. They were not just telling me that I did love being homeschooled. But you're in a high school right now and you also can't talk badly about the high school that you're at because that would just be terrible. So as soon as we sit down and finally start this interview, the reporter looks at me and says, so what's the difference between being homeschooled and going to a regular high school? And that was my reaction. <laughs> I was like, like uh, um, well. Uh, they're both great. And <laughs> I think I said the word different a lot. Yeah. I think I said, yeah. it's, you know, it's well, different. You know what's hard it's... about all of that is that they didn't give you any prep about what they were going to ask you, right? Yeah. So you have like a minute, maybe two minutes on screen and you have no idea what they're going to ask you about and what the subject is or whatever. They asked me a question. I don't even remember what it was. I don't even remember what my answer was. I just know my brother Stephen texted me and gave me a hard time because I stuttered at one point. I'm like, <laughs> you go on national television and make up something on the fly. It was it was uh, pretty insanely nerve-wracking, actually. It was pretty nerve-wracking. It was very funny, though, because a very good friend of ours, she watched it live she knew when it was going to be on and she waited for it and watched it but another friend of ours was unable to because she had to work so she called our friend and said so how was it how were they and she's the sweetest person in the entire world she would not say anything bad about anyone so she just kind of goes well you know (laughs) 
they you know it was so cool seeing them <laughs> wow that's like that's like those awful things we say to people that when their performance is bad yeah. you know like wow who does your hair <laughs> so it was an interesting experience yeah fun family story yeah it would just be nice if they would have prepped us you know honestly yeah. if they just would have said look we're gonna ask you this question and you this question that would i mean we we're sitting there for 40 minutes it's waiting not for them like to we're... do it it's not like we're political pundits who do this all the time. <laughs> right. You know, it's not like they're trying to get the angle. Right. It's like we're just a family. It's like, what's your favorite lotto numbers? Uh, uh, four <laughs> and seven. And just the whole thing happened. I mean, we were staring at the Statue of Liberty. Hey, can I interview you guys? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool. but um, It was very cool. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to say thankful for is, well, two things together. One is my beta readers, especially my brother Paul also has been one of the most supportive people in my family he even i mean sadly this is the sad thing so i did a lot of plays in my life when i was younger and he saw all of them <laughs> and he helped out with all the movies that we shot and uh, the poor guy he's earned treasures in heaven just by suffering through supporting me all these years he and his wife jean they when i got into the fine arts college they bought me a super 8 camera at the time they didn't have a lot of money so it was a big expenditure i mean He's read everything I've ever written, and he's really excited about this novel series. I mean, the poor guy. The fool. I know. It's really... I don't, I don't know if he thinks I have money. I don't know <laughs> what the reason is. It doesn't Maybe make any sense. Maybe he thinks yours to get into heaven. God, I'm suffering. <laughs> yeah. I'm suffering. <laughs> and, you know, and then obviously uh, other family members, Bob and Loretta and, um, and Aaron, one of our other beta readers, they've all just been so great and supportive. And also my faith, obviously, is really important to me. It's been wonderful, as you said, to live in a country, and I always pray this when I go to work, is I'm so grateful that we live in a country where we can so openly praise God's name, because that's also something that a lot of people can't do. And my faith being as important to me as it is, it's a blessing to to be in a country that we can do that. I absolutely agree. God rocks. He does. He uh, kicks ass, pretty much. So this has been fun. You guys got to hear some fun family stories hear about what we're grateful for some of you may have stopped listening because we mentioned fox news well you know what uh, cnn <laughs> and msnbc they didn't ask us that's true so whose fault is that you know it's what I mean? on them right it was funny though so for a long time in our family i used to say i speak for america so whenever anything bad came up i used to blame you yeah which like, is true personally. but the good thing is my wife then by default became miss america or mrs america <laughs> so she felt pretty good about that but yes, whenever anything can come up, my son would go, Dad, what does America think? I would <laughs> tell him. This, I mean, really, we have to find a clip of it. Because you had this look, like you were staring off into the distance. <laughs> it wasn't and... that, but you're making it sound like some sort of <laughs> epic bad soap opera moment it's or something. It's not an epic bad soap opera moment, but you did used <clears throat> to be an actor. And you had this intense look on your face and you kept nodding every time. You're like, freedom. It was entertaining. Stop. It was entertaining. It's killing me. Yeah, I, w I will try to find it. I, I remember I think, it being glorious. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because you were, it was five years ago. And obviously a lot of time has passed. Well, that's true. All right. So this is our Thanksgiving episode. Isn't that fun? It I, was fun. I'm thankful it's over. I'm sure people are also thankful it's over. <laughs> I know I would be if I were them. <laughs> we provided some very valuable information. And a lot, almost all of it wasn't though. <laughs> Which I think is, it's kind of like, you know, it is kind of like Thanksgiving. Because there's like stuffing in the middle of the meat, right? So we're just kind of like that stuffing. It's just kind of fluff. That doesn't add a lot of like nutritional value. But it tastes good. Yes, but it still is a lot of fluff, just like you and I. 
Although you, I have a friend of mine, I Chris. Knew you were gonna, <laughs> I knew you were going to mention him. Chris, Chris has this thing. Shout out to Chris. Hi, Chris. That he can't stand the idea of people having stuff in, <laughs> inside. It's just one of those things that you like don't wanna, organs or yes. blood or anything. It, like it just that. grosses him out, you know. So when we, actually we were pregnant with you. He was you like, and Chris? how about yeah, work? I know it was it was very <laughs> vogue at the time. No, um, it was when my wife and I were pregnant with you, and we Chris was explaining how he just he's like, oh, I can't think about it. To me, it's just all just fluff inside of people is just fluff. And I remember my wife go, well, Chris, you know, inside of my fluff is another person with fluff inside. <laughs> and he was like, oh my gosh, oh my, and like his head almost exploded. So yeah, that's uh, you're welcome, Chris, for the eight. <laughs> Point seven people that actually are listening to this today well they don't even know who he is so yeah it's not like you mentioned a last name or anything no and i won't i'll protect no. his identity no i mean i could just throw some names out there let they would all be wrong yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so this is the end of our thanksgiving episode and we're very grateful for all the people that have lived and died before us that has made this nation as awesome as it is and also gives us the ability to write and express ourselves and to potentially, I don't know, become awesomely successful as writers. So if you'd like to contact us, feel free to comment or email us at contactus at sunlightpress.com. Yes. Also, yeah, please, in the comment section, if you like, if you feel inspired, go ahead and tell us what you're thankful for this Thanksgiving. That would be nice. We'll see you guys next time. There's some stuff I want to talk about, about um, audiobooks in the future. And the different ways that we can do that. And, uh, and I have an idea to test one of my theories out on how to present a story via audiobook that's maybe a little different than a lot of people are doing. So we'll talk about that next time. But on the upside, by next time, your theory will be completely different, as is the tradition of our podcast. That's true. <laughs> and the last thing I would like to be thankful for is for you, our fans. And uh, thank you for listening today. And thank you for visiting our website. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.